Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Scrubbed In Show. I hope you've all been keeping well. This week we have with us another incredible guest. We have with us Dr. Baina, who is the CEO and founder of Medic Footprints. And she has set herself an ambitious mission, which is to connect over a million doctors with kind of diverse career opportunities by 2030. She's had an interesting journey from med school, foundation training, core surgical training, and then kind of embarked on this journey exploring life outside of clinical medicine and she's also a consultant um occupational health physician um massive massive pleasure having you on the show today baina how are you that was a really great introduction thank you so much abdul i should <laughs> totally have you as my pr <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. No, thank you. yeah i'm doing well i'm doing well like, really okay well. <laughs> no thank you we, we kind of freestyle it because um, we get to know a bit about our guests, so um, it's, it's not really yeah, scripted. No, it's like no, it's like some people do like get it, get the whole story wrong, right? and you've done the story for me, so yeah. Now, so, yeah. <laughs> no. so we've been meaning to have you on the podcast for a while now. Um, so there's a lot of stuff to discuss. You know, a lot of stuff people will be very keen to hear. Mm. Uh, obviously, you're you're heavily working on medic footprints now, kind of showcasing a world outside of medicine for clinicians. Um, but we want to really take it all the way back to the very beginning of your story, kind of, you know, a younger Baina kind of embarking on this journey in medicine. Tell us the motivations behind wanting to study medicine, getting into med school and then kind of bring us up to speed, if you like. Yeah, Baina is still young. Of course, <laughs> we're all young. <laughs> we're all young. Um, going back to the younger Baina, <laughs> um, the question is like, what? Yeah, so I went into medicine because I had a choice of medicine or music, and I chose medicine because obviously that was what my parents wanted. Um, <laughs> of course, why not? <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, like, I look back and I'm like, how would I even have the capacity to make those kind of decisions at such a young age? being mm. like you know age 13 because that's when we have to then decide like what GCSEs you're going to do which A levels you do like it's all pointing towards a certain path mm. um but you know medicine myself it's either going to be medicine or law isn't it so yeah. you, know, you come from a an ethnic background and your parents are like right this is it you're either yeah. doing that or that yeah. unless yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I I was um so I chose medicine and uh, like literally did not like nearly did not even get into medicine. So I applied for a, a number of universities and didn't get into any. I can tell the story now. Oh, wow! Like obviously yeah. I've lots of them, but um, failure failure number one massive. Um, and then I literally I was going to do a year working in a lab or something and I reapply. I literally was like. A month before um, the course due to start, I got an email from Nottingham University mm. who were like, hey, we rejected too many people. Do you want to come? Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. Um, so, you know, so it literally could have gone either way, right? So it's actually quite fascinating to hear that. But, um, you know, I went, I went through the medical course without any issues. Yeah. Uh, came back to London because I'm a London girl and... I don't know. Do you, I, both of you are you from London? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I, I born and bred Londoner, right? And so I go to Nottingham for the first, like, first time out of the city, pretty much. And I'm like, there's only one city centre, city centre in Nottingham. Like, you know, so London, you've got all these different areas, yeah. and like you've got a, a hub everywhere. In Nottingham, there's literally there's one city centre. And I was like, mm. how am I going to entertain myself in this space? It was like so different. Um, I so I was desperate to get back to London when I finally graduated. And back in those days, um, you, you had to you had to train in the same area. Like you had to work as a doctor in the same area you trained. Mm -hmm. The year when I when I graduated, we could just work anywhere else. So I went back to London, um, and it was literally in my first few years, my first actually my first rotation. <laughs> it's obs and gynae. Um, oh wow! And because uh, I really wanted to do obs and gynae, but okay. mm -hmm. um, Having done it, my first rotation, I definitely did not want to do it often. <laughs> um, and I think just my general experience as a foundation doctor made me realise or made me reflect <laughs> um, on the concerns that I had about my career as a doctor, which was, you know, educationally, academically, we're trained hmm. to be very, very high level. You know, you've got to pass everything, you've got to know everything. 
Um, mm. And then in practice, it just felt like I was a glorified medical secretary. And yeah. um, I wasn't really putting much, turning my brain on because there were so many rules and regulations and guidelines and standards and everything that you just practice within, which is fine. It's, that's absolutely fine. But it was like, I wasn't really clear as to where my value was compared to some of the other healthcare professionals in the team. Mm. And like, you know, the culture in the NHS, very hierarchical, yeah. um, just... Yeah, really, really difficult to work. Not difficult to work in, because that's the only thing I knew. I graduated when I was 22. So mm. what else did I know? Yeah. Um, so it was at that stage that I was even started considering other options um, within medicine. So I was like, you know, when, when does all the cool stuff start? You know, yeah. you know when I see medicine and like all the f- shows and the TV programs, like Grey's Anatomy. It's like, when does that start? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so I actually went on docs.net and I found a post from a doctor who had worked overseas. You know, like everyone goes to Australia. Yeah. That's the thing. Everyone just goes to Australia. And I yeah. did not want to do that because I wanted to experience something outside of the usual practice. And someone has come back from South Africa doing orthopedics. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I would, you know, that sounds really interesting. It's in semi-rural South Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I ended up going out there actually. Four years oh, wow. ago, um, mainly because I, at the end of my foundation, um, I got tempted to continue, as a lot of us do. We just want to keep on going on that treadmill. Yeah. Uh, so I got yeah. to continue core surgical training. And then after that, I was like, definitely need a break. Um, so I ended up working in general and trauma surgery, mm-hmm. um, which was like the best two years of my life in so mm. many ways. Mainly because having gone out there, it gave me a very different perspective as to what medical practice is, very yeah. different environment mm. culturally, geographically, environmentally, the people, yeah. the language was different. So I worked in Zululand. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. most, obviously, you know, I'm English-speaking doctors and Zulu-speaking patients, very difficult to batch yeah. them. Uh, and you're, you know, I was always reliant on the nurses to translate, and they weren't translators let me say that. So they would just basically say what they mm. wanted to say. <laughs> to, like eventually kind of learn a little bit of Zoom, you understand it. So I actually say, well, actually, no, he didn't quite say that, really, did he? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, and so it was just like in South Africa that made me realise that the problem was not medicine, because I was really considering leaving medicine. It was mm-hmm. just the work environment that I was in. And actually mm-hmm. it opened up my eyes to the, the possibilities beyond conventional medical practice, whether it was overseas whether it was, you know, just working as a doctor on in, in a different remit. And medical mm. school, they tell us, like, 50% of us will be hospital doctors, 50% of us will be GPs, mm. um, and that's it. You know, end mm. of the line. Um, yeah. And that's, that's 100% not the case, or, like, those possibilities are way beyond that. No, um, definitely. That's how I first started my journey in exploring diverse career opportunities or alternative careers for doctors. Mm. Were you... So, so kind of you kind of went down the urology route. I think you became like a urology yeah, reg. Yeah. Was that after you came back from your trip? Yeah. But am I right in thinking even while you're pursuing urology at the back of your head, or maybe you had this niggling feeling of life outside of medicine? Um, tell us the, the phase when it started to become a bit more real, when you were a bit more committed to exploring that that world. I woke up one morning in Blackburn and I was like, what am I doing in Blackburn? Because <laughs> that's like north of Manchester for people that don't know where Blackburn is because I didn't. And the reality <laughs> was, it was, you know, as, as a medic, you go where the job is, right? So I got, an, I got a training number in Blackburn. Right? And I was mm. like, oh, so I take it. This is my chance. Um, so I woke up one morning and then my family were all in London. So I was even further north of Nottingham. Um, but Blackburn is actually quite cool down. I really love the north, but that's a different story. Um, and I woke up and I was like, what, yeah, what am I doing in Blackburn? And I really need to find something else outside of the NHS. I can't have the NHS mm. really dictating what I do with my career and my life. I think that's what mm. I really need. Um, and so it wasn't like a, I'm leaving the NHS. It was, well, I need to do something else outside of the NHS that's for me. Um, and, you know, it started off really, the business was started with my friend who's from school. Um, it started off as like overseas recruitment because that was the experience that I had. And then very quickly we kind of decided that we didn't want to be calling Australia at midnight. We both had jobs to do. And mm. so... Um, 
you know, realizing that at the time there are a lot of doctors by word of mouth who are looking at um, pursuing other avenues in medicine, portfolio careers, that kind of thing. And, the, and I know, and I, and I met doctors who were doing things on the side, side hustling and everything, but could like never talk about it. And like, you know, yeah. what year was this, Sabina? Just that so we get it. That was 2013. Okay, fine. So mm. we're talking early before what it is now. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. yeah. Yeah, so it was very taboo. Like talking about alternative careers was like highly taboo then. Um, mm -hmm. And that's obviously changed quite a lot. Um, but not as much as I thought it would, I have to yeah. say, mm. I've heard. Um, but yeah, and so it started off with networking events in London. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I made a decision. So I, I basically had a year of training in Blackburn and I made a decision after 10 months, I was just going to quit my number and go to London because I was like, I'm done. Mm. I literally was like, I'm done. I'm just going to go where I want to go. And that was it. It's interesting. Oh, wow. because points in my life where i made very specific decisions about what i'm going to do so that was one point where i was like i'm going to be where i want to be not 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 where the job wants me to be number one yeah number two um i made a decision again i was working in neurology at uclh and i got hematuria in my face and that isn't the first oh. time i've had hematuria in my face can i have to say but that's just the occupational nature of the job right and i made a decision right there and then that i was going to leave urology um, it took me several years actually to decide to do that because it was like my surgical identity that I built up for numerous years. You know what a surgical identity is like? Yeah, I can imagine. Exactly. So it was really hard to get to that point, but I did. Um, and that's when I decided, right, I'm not going to do weekends. I'm not going to do nights. Because um, I, I chose urology as one of the specialties. It's a surgical specialty. I love surgery. But it, you don't have to be around at night so much. Mm. Like the on-calls are like, that the emergencies are like very, 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 very few, and most of them can be done yeah. the day. Um, and you can do your own calls from home. And I realized that I didn't want to be called when I was at home yeah. um, at all. And so, you know, these things as I grew older kind of pointed me towards I need something. Again, in medicine, I still wanted to be a doctor. That really pointed more towards the lifestyle that I was, I, I found myself really needing and mm, wanting. Mm. And GP, being this is the thing like you know I, I see the pattern of a lot of doctors say I want to do surgery blah 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 and then realize like when they're in their mid to late 20s uh th yeah 20s actually I'm just gonna settle down and do yeah, yeah. Mm. it's not the only thing that you can do to settle down with but that's the only thing that most people know because that's what they're exposed to um, yeah I even looked at GP again myself and at that time they were like oh no you graduated too long ago um and you just get like or your foundation competencies signed off again. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, what are you talking about? Because I sign off my, my, F, my F2 and F1. Yeah. Like, why do I? Anyway, <laughs> it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Um, mm. And yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. And that's when I started looking at other options, Googling other options, mm. like everyone else does, or alternative careers for doctors. And my partner at the time, who was a radiologist, um, mm occupational medicine that seemed to fit more with my emerging interest in business because i just about started medic footprints then yeah and uh gave it a go wasn't sure about it to be honest um and that's after doing a few months of working as a functional assessor that's another thing that everyone tends to do when they don't yeah. really know what they're gonna do they become functional assessors <laughs> um and got a training number in Ocmed in london at king's top yeah. choice and i haven't looked back Again, like there, there are other caveats to that story. I also quit my Ocmed training number. Oh wow! <laughs> Literally a year before I was due to finish. Again, you see, you can see the, the theme here. Again, I was like, right, I, 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 I know what I need to do to finish yeah. my training. I don't need to mm. do it as as part of a training scheme. I can go down the Caesar route. So yeah. that's what I did. Mm. Is finish my training down the Caesar route. So the point is still the same. Mm. I'm still a consultant in mm. occupational medicine. Mm. I love that. I love the way you do things the traditional way. Realize it's not for you and then have the courage and the grit to be like, do you know what? Sod this. I'm going to do it my way, my style. And luckily it's worked out because uh, there are people that do that and then they get trapped in this limbo phase and they're like, all right, I've lost my training number. The Caesar pathway isn't working. I haven't got my competency side. But I love that. And I think a lot of the stuff you're mentioning kind of does make sense into what you're doing now and how it all comes together. Tell us 
a bit more about the early days of Medic Footprints. You've, you've kind of gone through this journey. You're, I feel like you're starting to realize who you are an individual, what your priorities are. You become a consultant in Oak Health. Tell us about the early days of Medic Footprints. Where did the name come from? Because I find the name very, not, like, it's, it's a sick name. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it sticks. <laughs> I like it. So, it's interesting. Yeah, it's a sick name in the sense that, yeah, uh-huh. it's um, my co-founder, Sarah, um, yeah. when we started the company, again, as an overseas recruitment business, uh, started, she, she decided Medic Footprints because... It was the opportunity for doctors to travel anywhere or to go anywhere. Nice. Um, and and mm. it's transferable to pretty much anything, right? Especially mm. diverse careers. Just yeah. going anywhere. So, yeah, so it's stuck. And we've never really even thought about changing it. So, no. yeah. No, definitely. It's, it's, it's a cool name. And, it, and it's one of those names that stick. And, like, having a good name is so important without getting into the nitty gritty of kind of business and whatnot. So you started kind of this overseas recruitment. How does Medic Footprints then evolve? Um, How does it then become the go-to place? Yeah, no, this is a really interesting conversation. I think most of it was driven by passion Mm -hmm. and interest and, yeah, ongoing consistency in what started off being predominantly events. So I told you it was like networking events. And then we just decided to do a conference not having ever done a conference, can I just say, the biggest yeah. event we've done was like, what, 15, 20 people at a networking event. And they were like, just do a conference. <laughs> and um, conferences are massive undertakings. And they're yeah. one big marketing exercise. Because you're a small team, it was just like, you know, it just takes all, it just sucks all of your capacity dry. But on the day itself, it's like the most amazing transformational yeah. engaging experiences ever because it was designed for doctors who were looking for other things and i remember our mm. first ones in 2015 literally there were doctors like crying they were crying because they had not experienced anything like that when they were given permission to say i don't want to do this anymore do you know mm. what i mean like being yeah. like-minded people and being given permission to like be themselves yeah like, or other things and being around other doctors um, so, so, so that was predominantly the early days. So events, um, advertising opportunities. Um, but I mean, like, you know, it's been really hard. Like I have to yeah. emphasize so, so, so hard because I've been working full time throughout until very recently as a mm. doctor and saying, so essentially having two full time jobs, I burnt out in 2016. Um, and that was one of the things that led me to say, ah, I'll, I'll quit my training number and do it my own way kind of thing. Um, mm. And also, like, there's a big question, like, what, what kind of business is this? And so, because when you're yeah. running a business, which is, like, community-driven, um, it's like, well, how are you going to monetize that effectively, especially if you're, like, bootstrapping, yeah. right? Mm. And, yeah, that's been one of the hardest, hardest things, really, just especially if you're not relying on, like, well, even though we're a tech, we're tech, I'd like to call it tech-enabled, but we're not a tech business or tech yeah. business business because essentially community is people first right no, of course. Like peer is people first but it's still mm. you know very strongly embedded in the tech so without yeah. tech you know so um yeah it's but it's, it's evolved in like particularly in the last year or so having had a child it's interesting like having a baby a lot of women when they have children they especially doctors you see them in the workforce kind of like go off and say actually being a mother is better than being a doctor right mm. now is of how I've been treated at work. Like, mm. I'd rather just spend my time with my kids when I know that I can. Mm. Um, but with me, because I was already living my kind of lifestyle first life, yeah. um, self-employed and all that jazz. Actually, no, I was employed for one of my jobs. I had a portfolio career, basically. Yeah. Um, I it, it really kind of put a fire in my belly Mm. right okay i've been doing this for a number of years now i can see the problem with doctors wanting to leave and move outside of public their their conventional role is actually getting bigger Mm. that problem is getting bigger and it's not just in the uk it's international yeah i noticed actually several years back that there were like 191 different countries like people from different countries on our mailing list oh wow there were people contacting us from across the world that's That's crazy we've got a hub in malaysia that's come out of you know <laughs> it goes to show though like um we thought it was like a a, a british uk problem 
But yeah. then you're right. I've also seen, especially the Americans, especially on like LinkedIn, where it's like, yeah, wait a minute, why are the American physicians also thinking about alternative careers yeah. and leaving yeah. medicine? Then you start to think, where, what is the problem? What's the root cause? Is it the, the, the physicians that made a decision at 18, 19 years old, didn't realize what it entailed, and now they're kind of coming up to speed? Yeah, you're right. I thought it was a UK problem, but it seems it isn't actually. Yeah, it, it isn't. I mean, Australia, um, there's another company, Creative Careers for Medicine. The doctor running that company was like, oh, I started this because of medic footprints. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's, mm. there's, a, there's a number of that going around in the world. And, and it, it just goes to show that, yeah, we've got a unified problem in this world mm. whereby doctors, the, the people that we're bringing into medicine aren't the ones we actually need to do the job that they, they've been asked. So, yeah. So the, that's another political rant I could go on. So you'd be a good question, person to ask because you've you've been exposed to so many people that have left medicine or in the process of leaving it. I always have this fear of the people we really do need to stay, the problem solvers, the innovators are actually the ones that are quietly leaving without making a fuss. And then it's a bit worrying, whereas some of the clinicians, they're probably not too bothered. They don't care. They may not think they've got the skills that are the ones sticking around. Is that going to become a big problem? And, and what, what you know, so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, like because I mean, reality. What happens is that you know most doctors will go into healthcare, something related to healthcare related, right? Yeah. And then they will sell their services back to the NHS. Hmm. <laughs> so actually, hmm. it's not. Fair <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so contributing to the wider healthcare sphere, yeah. right? So. And, and they're probably, that's where they're more effective than they would be otherwise mm. if they're like in the, like actually in the NHS or in the public or the True. system that they're working in. Like working yeah. from the outside is actually so much better because you're kind of that, the one step removed. If you think about, say, the NHS in particular, they, they use a lot of consulting firms. Um, I know a number of boutique consulting firms who are like NHS only, civil service only. Mm. Um, and that's because the NHS uses them quite a lot, right? And they hire yeah. a lot of doctors for that reason, right? Yeah. So, yeah, like I don't think that in itself is a problem because mm. the NHS or the public health system is still benefiting. You look at the NHS Clinical Entrepreneur Scheme, you know, there yeah. are a lot of doctors in that scheme who are not working in the NHS, True. but they are mm. creating products and services that are being sold or utilised in the NHS. Yeah, so, True. yeah. So, Abena, talking about the problem a little bit more, right? So, throughout your journey, you've shown this awareness and ability to transition, to take things as you like, right? When you come across doctors who want an alternative career, what is the main barriers they're facing? Is it that they don't know any better, that a lack of self-awareness? Is it fear? Is it the salary differences, expectations? Um, what are some things that you, you've picked up a pattern in? I think a lot of things, and I, I know I reflect on this, but I think it all comes from self, isn't it? And I think mm. one of the biggest challenges that doctors in particular have is that we, we've been on this treadmill since we were, like, two. Mm. Right? You know, everything that's pointed towards medicine started very, very early on in our lives. And we haven't, because of the nature of the job, because it's very intense, you're constantly, constantly learning and, and doing exams and blah, blah, blah. There's not been enough time to really take stock in yourself, in your life, and really get yeah. to know you, yourself as an individual. And as a result, that lack of kind of real self-knowing and self-awareness results in people kind of sticking with an environment or um, a work arrangement that really doesn't work for them. Um, yeah. I think that's one of, one of the ways that leads to institutionalization. Um, mm. And we only know what we know, right, especially when a lot of us have only mm. worked as in the NHS or in the healthcare system. Um, because if, you, if you'd worked in the wider work of work, right, and you work with one company, you're like, I don't like the way that they're treating me, I'm gonna go work with this other company. You, know, you, you move around a lot more, mm, you yeah. move around. Essentially, even though it's different hospitals, it's still the same umbrella of the NHS, mm, right? It's still the same yeah. kind of culture, pretty much in most of these places, obviously there's a spectrum uh, in itself. So I, I do think that, you know, they, they won't say, oh, it's because I'm not, people don't leave, they don't say, oh, it's because I'm not self-aware enough. And it's, I think, but I think that's the root cause of the problem. 
because mm. if we were self-aware, if we did learn how to look after ourselves, if we knew what our limits were, people mm. would be, uh, A, not going into medicine, B, maybe walk, walking um, a lot, lot sooner, or yeah. C, mm. like really actually standing up to decision makers a lot earlier and okay. actually having more influence on what really goes on in the healthcare system. And, mm. we, you know, we talk about units and VMA, et cetera, et cetera, and striking, but, you know, you look at the last, for example, you look at the last 10 years and there's, a, in real terms, 30% pay cut yeah. for a lot mm. of doctors. But, like, why is it taking 10 years for us to say, hey, look at that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because this stuff has like, like, been going on for some time now. And I think if, if we had a more effective union and influence within, these organi- within the institution, um, then, you know, you probably wouldn't see so many people walking. But because of the nature of the job and the fact that we, we're not really unified enough, I feel, mm. as doctors, because the nature of what we do are moving around all the time, right? You're not working with the same people yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest, the biggest challenge. And so a lot of people that do leave, they, they've taken their time. So like, we did a poll on our Facebook group recently, on terms of careers for doctors, to say, how long does it take you from deciding that you wanted to leave to actually doing something about it right yeah yeah and most people actually most people said i'm still thinking about it oh wow um, but mm. the second biggest was more than two years crazy so, so yeah yeah because at the end of the day like you only know what you know and some in some ways it's easier just to be inert and just to keep them going with what you know even though you know mm. it's hurting you and sometimes you don't know that it's hurting you until you're out of it I've been there sometimes, I have to say. So, so yeah, but if you're you're looking at the kind of tick box, what do people say, what do doctors say, Mm. they're saying, well, you know, we talk about stress and burnout and well-being issues. We know that's a significant push factor. Um, Not being able to, like, go to your own own wedding, for example, just wanting more of your life back. Um, Mm. There's portfolio careers. But also there's insights, there's greater insights to what else is out there and opportunities to really grow as an individual both personally and professionally. So I think the knowledge yeah. of different alternative careers is greater now than it used to be. And so there's mm. that way. Amazing. And, mm. and what is it that makes doctors in particular um, such great candidates for these alternative careers? Because like you said, we're, we're all used to just being medics, right? And we're told you're great at taking histories, coming up with an investigation plan and a management plan, right? What makes doctors great consultants and strategists and advisors and all of these things. What is it about? Is it medical school? Is it foundation training? What makes us equipped to go elsewhere as well? Yeah, it's a really good question. And that's one of the things I'm covering um, in a masterclass. And thanks very much for helping to spread the word on that one. Um, it's about leveraging. There's a, there's a bit on it about leveraging your doctor brand as an asset. Um, mm. But there, there's loads of really great um, inherent qualities. So we're talking about even before medical school. You know, the reason you got into medical school was because you have you're very strongly academic, mm-hmm. but also remember we had to demonstrate that we had a wide range of extracurricular activities behind our belt, and we're quite you know got a very broad skill set, right? And mm-hmm. you know, that you tend to even though you have the broad skill set, the academic quali- qualities. Um, you're trained in a very specific way. So a lot of the kind of creative elements of most people that come in kind of get wiped, wiped aside. Um, but what what we see clients or companies we work with say is that a lot of doctors tend to outperform other industry hires because they're reliable, they're credible, they're regulated. Um, mm. They tend to... Um, use a lot of transferable skills having worked with a diversity of different patients and colleagues they represent yeah. a very diverse work group themselves um, they're very good communicators generally written and in person because we have to be right um we're we also very good decision makers as well and mm. uh, can get on with things on our own and in teams like those are just mm. some examples of what you know we, we hear clients say um and that can be those transferable skills can be used anywhere, like not just in healthcare, outside of healthcare. Yeah. And like we've seen it, for example, I did a podcast with a uh, ex-surgeon called Joanna who went into inter- interior design. So very different, oh, wow. very creative, wow. very creative. Um, and she um, 
because like you have to do a diploma and all this stuff anyway so she started working within like a year or so she was promoted to one of the uh, senior leaders within the interior design company like within a very very short space of time i think naturally because of you know her leadership skills that she she developed as a doctor no that's incredible yeah yeah it's incredible and i want to flip up on its head and i know you're doing a masterclass on it you've said you know so many incredible things as to why doctors are such good hires at the same time i think we touched on the article is why are they struggling to find these roles? They identify it and then they kind of fall short. Why are they falling short into securing the actual role itself? Is it because they're competing with everyone else now? Has the novelty worn off about doctors? Can you shed some insights onto that? That's a really, really good question. Um, I, think, I, think there's, I don't think there's one particular answer to that. Mm-hmm. I think what we do see really great doctors really struggle at is... Um, again, we talked about communication skills, but it's also about the approach as well. It's very different in medicine compared to outside of medicine or in industry. And you know, with our medical CVs that are like 10 pages long and this one <laughs> and hospitals, no one really cares so much about that. It's more about the demonstrable um, experience and very specific achievements that we can actually talk about that's relevant to the job that we're all the opportunity that we're mm. going for so i think it's that comms piece it's also the recognition that you know you don't have to apply for a job so when you're actually applying for a job that's when you you're against a lot of competition whereas most jobs are are aren't advertised they are either created for you or mm. given to you because you know someone who knows them <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so that's the reality of it so we talk about networking a lot. No one likes the word networking, but actually all it is is just building relationships with people, the right kind of people in the right kind of environment um, in your area of interest. That's all networking is, right? Mm. And it doesn't have to be transactional, right, at all. And it's something that we do all the time in a way, but it's just not something we recognize as a skill or a necessity yeah. to really thrive and grow as a professional outside of conventional medical mm. companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one of it. Another is like, yeah, there is more competition because more and more doctors are leaving, and you know, yeah. you know the opportunities are there. Um, yeah, I'd say those were the main points, really. No, that that makes sense. And I think a good point now will be to kind of explain what Medic Footprints does and what it offers now. I know it's changed a lot since when you launched it. Um, so when someone goes to Medic Footprints, what can they expect? What are you doing to help kind of? hit the ambitious you know goal of a million clinicians yeah that's a very good question so i mean i think over the years i've really reflected on like what's really important and 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 why this mission in the first place why take this yeah. random number out of thin air right one million doctors um the reality is like what what would happen if we achieved our mission um and the the vision is that doctors would be happy and healthy mm-hmm. they would be free to make their own career decisions and have autonomy in how mm. they work and as we know in our world we have a lot of problems that need tackling and we need a lot of bright uh, laterally thinking people to tackle them so you can imagine all these doctors who have huge potential in being able to do that that in itself would make the world a better place yeah. So that's the reason why we've chosen that mission, because we have this vision that actually it, it, this is this is a global, this is globally important. If we can actually, um, what's it called, actually move like a really high value workforce and treat yeah. them high value and enable them to do high value work. Because at the moment we've got this high value workforce who aren't being treated as high value. Yeah. Yeah. And aren't doing high value work and it's such such a such a waste it's devastating a devastating waste um mm. so a lot of the work that we're doing points towards achieving that and the way that we measure that is through our podcast so mm-hmm. a lot of people that listen to that we only started that last year but that's doing really well number mm. of doctors that apply for our jobs yeah. the number of visitors that we get those are our main kpis we always, we always talk about actually how we're going to measure that um but th- those are going to be our main metrics really to say we, we connected one million because it's not just about here's a job here's a job here's a job here's a job it's actually mm. how can we equip you 
to uncover some of the best opportunities that we yeah. know are not advertised. So a lot of them you're going to create yeah. for yourself mm. as, say, a consultant. So like you want to consult with your expertise. We have a lot of doctors who want to work for themselves, which is amazing. It's great. So how can we support you in going to do that and creating these opportunities rather than waiting for them to come to be advertised somewhere? Yes, we advertise mm. jobs on a website, but mm. that, it's like, that is just like, it's just there to like scratch the itch, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's not, it, it, this is not the end point. This is like, these opportunities are there, but this isn't the end point. This is what's possible. It's just a start. Exactly, mm. exactly. So that's where a lot of our work is. And as a result, we are launching Incubator for Doctors in Industry. So that's a transformational 12-month program to help doctors who want to not only just move into industry, it's not the end point is get a job. It's actually to create a sustainable industry career for yourself and gain that framework, uh, framework and structure that we don't have outside of our usual yeah. world, right? You're used yeah. to that framework and structure that's been dictated to us, but how about we help you create your own framework and structure that will enable you to thrive regardless of what you want to do outside of that, so you have options. I think it's another challenge that doctors face, especially when they're considering leaving, and one of the reasons they don't leave is they don't feel that there are any options. Right. No, and, definitely. And th there's this whole scarcity mindset that there's like, oh, no one's going to hire me, blah, blah, blah. The reality is there are so, so too many options. There are too many options. And yeah. So part of the work we do is like to help reduce that overwhelm. No. Um, so, yeah. I think I think it's incredible. You you need to do your own, and this is like your own foundation program for you know helping doctors that's learn. A, that's a really great, the, the, great way to describe it. I, I like even it's just not really a foundation program because like it's more of a like I'd love like MBA level program. Yeah. On, if you really want to invest in your life, let alone yeah. career moving forward, this is for you. Um, because yeah, it's, you know, like yes, you can go and apply and get a job. And you hear a lot of doctors say, oh, yeah, I got this job, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, they haven't really addressed some of the underlying challenges. They wouldn't really know how to move forward. I like really utilize the opportunities they already have. Like a lot of doctors struggle with the network piece. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, actually, it's about creating a sustainable career. One of the things that I'm really passionate about for myself is I now do because I've got two young kids near under the age of two. Right, I'm running a business mm. and being a doctor. Like, I don't have much time anymore. So yeah. actually, and actually, I do want to spend that time with my family and bouldering. So, mm. so what? One of my real focuses is I don't want to work any more than three days a week. I don't know where this whole five day a week thing came from, even seven days a week for medicine. Mm. But I'm not going to work any more than three days a week. How am I going to make that happen and pay the bills? There are ways to do that, really effective ways. I mean, you see, mm. like that book was a four-day working week. I haven't read that yeah. book, but it's with the same principles of like really being focused on your time, pricing yourself and your services effectively, yeah. and actually having more free time. Because a lot of the stuff that we do is actually not not really effective. It doesn't actually True. towards the end goal. And as mm. doctors, we're so used to doing, I am so used to doing all the time. And it's so difficult when my team are like, can you just step back? Yeah. And just stop doing stuff. And we'll do it. Stop doing stuff. No, um, I can't imagine. We just, we just do it. Do you ever remember, like, you know, you want to get someone a CT and, like, there's no porter. So you, you, you request a CT, you put the patient <laughs> into the bed, you wheel the bed to see, you know, you yeah. get them out of the bed onto the, you know, it's like, it's like that, like that's how we are, right? I, I literally, I literally did that a week ago. <laughs> well, for like a, a hematoma that needed to be drained behind the yeah. knee, right? Yeah. And the IR consultant. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you've got five minutes before I start my list, do you want to bring it? I was like, oh, damn it. Do you know what? I'm going to bring it myself. Yeah, but exactly. I'm laughing because our previous guest, who's a consultant IR, yeah. Um, in a big trauma center wanted the four day work week and is pushing for it and now you're the guest that's coming down to your three day work week really? I, I'm, 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 I'm hoping the next guest is like a two day work week but the question I have and I know a lot of listeners are probably thinking is how on earth do you do it all you're a mom you've got a day job per se you're, you're growing this flourishing business which is only going to get even more popular due to the needs right how do you do it all and how do you look after yourself how does Abena look after Abena that's an awesome question, Abdul. And it is really hard. It is really hard. I have therapy and I have mm. career coaching. No, sorry, I don't have career coaching. I have business coaching. Okay. So those, those, mm. those are one of the two really important pillars of how I sustain 
what I'm doing, um, mm-hmm. as well as my fam- my family and friends. How do I do it? I have to be really, really focused on my time. I having, but I'm really glad that I went through burnout. I mentioned that earlier. I'm really glad that yeah. I did burnout because I knew where my boundaries were, okay. and I knew mm. that this is what life is going to be like if you don't slow down and really look after yourself. And I've never burnt out again. I know people who are nice. like, oh, I've burnt out several times. It's like, well, you're an idiot then, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I just haven't learned, right? Um, so, so yeah, how do I look after myself? It's especially really hard now because my daughter, my youngest, my baby is like three, four months. Yeah. And that's a three, four months sleep regression period. So yeah. mm. I don't sleep more than two hours at a time <laughs> at night, right? So um, it is challenging, I have to say. And it's... It's not easy, but what I'm driven by is the passion I have for doctors, for alternative careers, for mm. the for the impact that I see it yeah. has on doctors' lives and people's lives, right? And and it is when people say, "Oh, I I, I followed medical footprints, and as a result, I did this, and as a result, yeah. I changed jobs. As a result, I started this company, which is now valued at X. Like that, that for me keeps me going." Yeah. Right. It's yeah. not the money because I can tell you, you know, there's not much money going around. It, it is like the day, you know, we're doctors, right? If we really were motivated by money, we'd go into the finance world, we'd yeah. be bankers, right? I'm mm-hmm. like, so, but we, we, we have, we've chosen an altruistic field, yeah. genuinely want to help people. I'm driven by helping people and seeing how mm. that changes people's lives and transforms the world that we live in. Um, mm. But yeah, a, a lot of the work I do, and I need to focus on at the moment, is looking after myself. Yeah, because it is very difficult to balance all of that stuff. Um, I mean, at the moment, I'm because I don't do any clinical work now because I'm still essentially on mat leave. Mm. Like you know, the first time I had, right when I had my baby two years ago, I was off work for two months. And I went back to my clinics. Like after two months, mm. it's like nothing. So this time, I, I it's been four months. I haven't gone back to my clinics. I've been like, I need to take that break. Um, but with the business, I even picked like what <laughs> I mean, essentially I was on that leave, but I'm still on Slack. There is no break when you when you're running a business. I wasn't I wasn't effectively working, but I, I was still available, let's put it that way. Um so so yeah. Abena, to pick up on burnout, right? Burnout is very different for different people. What was it like for you? What were how did you feel at the time when you did burnout and then if you can just give us some practical tips on how to address it. For me, it was a very slow process, as in it happened, I think, over a year and then and then hit a crisis point. So, you know, like a lot of doctors, when they finally go and get help, when there's like, it's like an acute crisis mm-hmm. moment. So, so with me, I noticed over a period of time, over like, yeah, of course of a year, I was just getting tired. Uh, I used to cycle to work. Um, and I just stopped cycling for some reason. I, I didn't really put much attention to it. I, I have quite severe eczema and that I started to get lots of flare-ups <laughs> in my skin. And then it got to a point where I had multiple short-term sickness absences. Um, I went to the GP and flare-ups. I went to the GP and um, they were like, oh, you've got a heart murmur as well. And I was like, oh, gosh. And they were like, do you want some time off? So I told them that story. And I was like, oh, this is a joke. Why would I need time off? <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I was like, okay, fine, I'll take the time off. But the reality is I didn't take it seriously enough. So mm. I took a month off. I'm still going about, you know, keeping on, keeping on, but not working. And I remember going back to work and they booked some patients in for me. And um, I started crying. I was cycling to work crying. Oh, wow. And I got to work. And they were like, we've got some patients for you. And I was like, I just can't see anyone. I just, I just can't see anyone. I can't, mm. I can't remember when it was that time where they actually booked, they booked like three mental health cases. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't the best uh, return to it, so put it that way. Yeah. Um, so the next month, I actually took it seriously. I actually went and got some help. I got some CBT. I slowed down. I slept. Yeah. Mm. It was then that I was like, I, I need to look after myself. So that that was my my, I mean I put the label burnout on it because I certainly think essentially it's the constellation of physical and mental health system uh, symptoms mm. as a result of essentially overwork and just doing too much. Yeah, <laughs> really, just definitely. doing too much. And I think, yeah, 
Yeah. That's, yeah. When I hear stories of people's burnout, I just feel incredibly like sad, you know, just because I know there are other people out there that are burning out, not even knowing about it. And they're just getting on and, you know, there's no one to look out for them. And, and it's medics, like there is a big issue of burnout. And I remember reading somewhere, the process of burnout starts in med school, not even in foundation training. It starts in medical school and then it just gets triggered and amplified while doing foundation training. And we've, we've all been there. We know how, how rough it is. Um, I think going back to Amzi's question, what advice would you give to people that maybe have spotted signs of burnout? What can they do to go into kind of full burnout mode? Yeah. If they've recognised that they're doing really well, so, um, because most people don't recognise it until they were, they've been through it. Yeah. And mm. they've actually gotten help or someone said you need to get help. So I remember someone saying to me, I think during my, one of my ARCPs, you should be careful. You sure you don't need any help? And I was like, yeah, silly. Because we're just used to being like, you know, Superman or Superwoman because that's yeah. what we're kind of trained to be. Um, yeah. And so if, so if anyone's like, I'm not sure whether I'm getting burned out or I've got these kind of like very minor seeming, seeming symptoms, um, I would just say take some time out. <laughs> Literally stop. Yeah. And just <laughs> take the time just completely. Yeah. Like even if it's just a week, or even two weeks, like you can do that. Yeah. It is fine. But mm. the world will not collapse with you being mm. That's another thing, you know, we will find it very difficult to leave something or to stop doing something because we think there's gonna an apocalypse is gonna happen at work if we're not there. Yeah. That's another one of the that's another one of the issues that leads to burnout, right? We think we're we're disp- we're indispensable and we we are not, we're very dispensable, especially as doctors. Yeah. Yeah. This is how it is. We're people, so yeah. I think that's what it is, isn't it? We're we're so used to sort of being constantly on the go, achieving the next publication research, uh, attending all crash calls, seeing patients. And that's what it is. We think that we're indispensable when we are very much dispensable. Um, And I agree with what you just said. Sometimes we just need to stop, just stop and take a breather. Um, Really, really great advice there. Now, for the people now considering alternative careers, right, are there any, so with doctors, right, is there a particular field that you say suits doctors more? Or would you say, no, it's actually a free for all for doctors when, it, say, they're looking to explore other careers? It totally is a free for all, but obviously the, the commonest thing that doctors go into is something health related. I yeah. mm. with health tech, which I just think is just health. Um, mm. Yeah, a lot of doctors. Thing. I want to go into digital health, I want to, you know, um, and that seems to be the most popular option, but as we know, historically, and still ongoing, consulting is very popular, lifestyle medicine is very popular, yeah. um, starting your own business and doing coaching is actually increasingly popular, um, yeah. a really, 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 I, I personally, I would say a really good idea if you are a doctor thinking about coaching in any of the domains, mm. coaching is something that comes naturally to us because we do it as a job, our part of our job anyway, don't we, in the day-to-day. Yeah. Um, so, so those are the most common areas, but, you know, it doesn't end there. You know, there are doctors who become actors, musicians. You know. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah, but, you know, we're, we're people at the end of the day. We're just people. I've got yeah. a friend of mine um, who, who used to... Who, he showed me a picture. Oh no, his wife showed me a picture. I won't tell who it is. His wife yeah. showed me his doctor, right? He, he, well, he graduated as a doctor, I'd say. His wife um, showed me a picture of him, like barefoot skiing, like barefoot water skiing. He used to be like top of the world. Oh wow! And oh wow! Then, yeah, yeah. And, then, <laughs> and I was just thinking, let's talk about this in the podcast. And, and yeah, and then you know, he's he's very interesting career working in both health but also music as well. And like music seems mm. to be actually very common amongst doctors that I know. So mm. uh, yeah, the world is your oyster, really. Uh, I think so. I, I agree with you. And it feels like even just having this conversation, it feels like when you're open to kind of exploring things outside of medicine, it feels like a, a, a breath of fresh air. You feel that, that weight lift of your shoulders, the, the thought of, do you know what? I don't need to do this on a day-to-day basis. I can do something I enjoy. I feel slightly more fulfilled with even, 
do you know what? The thing I encourage is even if you don't do medicine full time and just do it part time, it's still good enough for some people. It's just yeah. enough. You don't need to leave medicine as a whole. Part time medicine is just fine. I don't know if you're a big advocate for that or not, but that's well, my yeah, theory. I know, I know I've spent like the last hour bitching about medicine, but the reality yeah. is, it's an amazing career. It really, yeah. really is. Yeah. The, the challenge is how can you live it as a sustainable career that works for you? That is the main challenge, right? And you know, one of the reasons I chose occupational health, well, occupational medicine, is because I knew I didn't have to work five days a week to have a really good, uh, really uh, earn a good living. Right. Mm, you know, mm. there was a period of time, especially when I left my training, I was working like, you know, once a month, one clinic a month mm. I was doing, and that was enough mm -hmm. to pay my bills. And mm. I was doing other stuff, medic footprints, etc., etc. Um, and I know a lot of people who do have that balance and that portfolio balance, they I enjoy see. their medical work even more because the pressure yeah. is off. Right. It's when mm. you're like in an environment where the pressure is on, you're five days a week, you've got you've got some x y and z responsibility to do on top of that and you've got kids or whatever yeah. that, that's when things just become unmanageable so it really is the key word that i like to throw about a lot but essentially it's a sustainable mm. sustainable living yeah. sustainable career so how can you make medicine yeah. work for you in that way um, as i said like i i was very conscious that i did not want to leave medicine like or stop practicing medicine or stop seeing patients mm. um, but i wanted to find a way that i could do that uh, effectively and the, the reality is there are, there, are, there are so many ways. We did a conference last year on, it's called Hidden Gems, on medical specialties mm -hmm. that no one ever tells you about. And there are lots of them. There are lots of them. Definitely. So, so yeah, and, and a lot of them that pertain to like a really amazing work-life balance and lifestyle. So it's just about really exploring the realities of the options and what works for you. You've got to know yourself before you can then yeah. pick the right options that will work for you. If you don't know yourself, then you can't match it with anything. And no, so absolutely. that's why I would say invest in yourself. Just yeah, learn to know yourself again in whatever Definitely. way it works for you. What worked for me is through um therapy hmm. and talking about it a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Reflecting a lot, meditation, um, yeah, having great conversations like this with you guys. No, amazing. And I agree. And and it's super super fun. Um Conscious of time, Abena, but I want to thank you for taking the time out to kind of share your own story. There's bits you mentioned that I don't even know about. Um, obviously, I've read your story because I think what you're doing is wonderful. Um, and I think there's a lot of good advice for people that may want to look into alternative careers. Um, so definitely do recommend to our listeners, check out Medic Footprints. They've got a masterclass coming out soon. They've got amazing podcasts, amazing resources, opportunities, and this incubator program you're building seems perfect for for this cohort of clinicians um so no thank you abena um thank you. so so much thank you so much for inviting me and, and what you both are doing you're you are living the dream in the way of alternative <laughs> <No. careers. laughs> yeah. huge value and a really important yeah. section industry and really le leveraging and elevating mm. what doctors can do so well done no thank Thanks you so 